Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Face Yoga Expert podcast. So we're on a bit of a roll with solo episodes at the moment. I do have lots of lovely guests coming up in the next few months for you, but actually I've been really enjoying doing solo episodes and really being able to give you valuable information that you can take away. I really hope you've enjoyed the Face Yoga for Driving. I believe that was last week's episode. I've also been giving lots of tips on business and face yoga and skincare, as well as talking about personal stories. Now, this week is definitely a personal story. Now, I've been thinking about doing either a social media post or a newsletter or a podcast or a YouTube video on this for quite a while. But I just suddenly felt intuitively today is the day to do a podcast on it. And the title of this podcast is I've been sober for 20 years. Here's why it's both hard and easy. And when I talk about being sober, this is about not drinking alcohol. So I think the best place to start with this story is telling you about when I did drink alcohol. So I drank alcohol from the ages of 16 to about 21 and a half. So really about five, five and a half years. Now, I never had a difficult relationship with alcohol. I think it's quite easy for people to presume when you don't drink alcohol, you've been sober for a number of years, then there was a difficult relationship in some way. I was just a typical teenager. So I didn't ever drink sort of during the week, so to speak, other than when I was a student and I would have nights out during the week, because when you're a student, you tend to go out more during the week than at weekends. And generally my drinking was whilst I was going for a night out. So really just to party with friends. Now, I never was over excessive with it. I think that's the important thing to say. I definitely would drink as much as my peers. I would definitely drink to the point where I got drunk, but I never got to the point where I threw up or was sick or I blacked out and didn't remember, or I did things that I regret. So there was never a super difficult relationship, but definitely during university, I would go out at least two to three times a week and binge drink, which I think for many people of that age is a very, very common story. Now, the reason I gave up, as many of you know my story, when I left university, I became really unwell and I was diagnosed with ME. Now, I was quite unwell for about the second half of being 21 and then finally got the diagnosis of ME when I was 22 and then managed managed to fully recover when I was 23 and start my business then. Now, I knew uh, before I got that diagnosis that something was wrong. So my first sort of deep dive into anything holistic, even before I became properly unwell with ME. So I was still living a fairly normal life. I just graduated from university. I got quite a low pressured office job and I went to see a kinesiologist because I was getting recurrent thrush. Now I was on the contraceptive 
prescriptive pill at the time, which was definitely causing a lot of those issues, but I pretty much was riddled with candida. So one of the things that she said to me, as well as many, many other things, so supplements, nutrition changes, was to start reducing my alcohol, if not cutting it out. And she said to me, you know, if I am going to drink alcohol, it needs to be sugar-free mixer and then a clear coloured spirit. So I'd say from about 21 and a half until probably a month or two after my 22nd birthday, when I gave up completely, I was drinking a different type of alcohol. So I wasn't drinking wine. I wasn't drinking alcohol pops. I wasn't drinking lager or beer. I was drinking clear spirits. So things like vodka or gin with soda water, not particularly great or healthy. I mean, I probably thought it was, but I had absolutely no clue about nutrition back then. So that's really sort of my first, I guess, dipping my toe into the into the, I wouldn't say sober sand, but it was definitely changing the way that I drank alcohol. And because I was progressively getting iller and iller at the time, I didn't know it, but I had glandular fever. So I was definitely definitely suffering from a lot of serious fatigue, a lot of issues with my glands. And obviously I had a lot of candida as well. So recurrent thrush and stomach issues, um, most likely not knowing what I know now, as I look back, I probably had low iron levels. Definitely was very, very deficient in many things, B vitamin complex, etc. So there was a lot going on. Anyhow, so when I got the diagnosis of ME, so at that point, I was pretty much bedridden and housebound. I'd had to get signed off sick from the office job that I was working in. And I pretty much was unable to live a normal life. I mean, really, if I go into some of the very difficult days, I wasn't able to get to the toilet. So my husband, Bruce, who was my boyfriend at the time, he had his own business. Um, He was making management systems for gyms. And he used to come back from the office at lunchtime just to help me to the toilet because I couldn't walk from the bedroom to the toilet. You know, that was how unwell I was. And needless to say, I knew that I needed to do everything possible to completely heal myself. And that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother journey. And I know many of you have heard a lot of this story before, but we're talking about alcohol today. And of course, I wasn't going out partying anyway. So it's quite easy for me to sort of stop drinking alcohol because it wasn't something I was doing on a daily basis. You know, it wasn't like I was having wine with dinner or having a drink in the evening to wind down. It very much was that sort of binge drinking party in culture. So I wasn't doing that. So, you know, I was able to to stop drinking quite easily. Now, obviously, when I was very ill, I wouldn't have wanted to drink anyway because I was feeling so, so poorly. I started to heal myself through many holistic therapies, mindset, yoga, nutrition, lots and lots of things. And then I started to socialise a little bit. So I wasn't fully recovered when I started seeing people again and and socialising to an extent. But this is where the big change and big transition happened, which was probably quite tricky. You know, looking back at the time, not only was I dealing with a chronic illness and I wasn't working, 
I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I was obviously very young, you know, 21, 22, and everybody else was either still at university or starting their careers and having full social lives. And there was a real embarrassment and, and real sort of social awkwardness that I wasn't in that place anyhow. Plus, I wasn't drinking which as a 22-year-old, and definitely going back 20 years ago, I know that things are quite different now for 22-year-olds. Not in all cases, but I know it's it's a lot more accepted if somebody doesn't drink. But back then, definitely where I was living and in the group that I was socialising in and with new people that I was meeting, it was really difficult to explain why I wasn't drinking. So that was my first experience of feeling quite socially awkward about it. Now, people did accept it. I didn't have people saying, come on, have a drink, because people knew that I'd gone through the very chronic part of the illness. People knew that I wasn't working. I think by the time I sort of started socialising again, I was probably doing my training. I was doing a distance learning training in relaxation therapy at that point because I knew that I wanted to help other people in the way that I'd help myself. So I think it was accepted that I wasn't drinking, but it was also quite awkward. I remember one circumstance where I just went out for maybe like an hour or so because I really couldn't manage too much with some people that worked with my husband in his business and everyone was drinking. It was very boozy. And I remember sitting there and someone asked me what I did for a job. And I had to explain that I wasn't working, but I said that I was training to be a relaxation therapist. And I remember them asking me what a relaxation therapist is. And I just went blank. It was like, I wasn't able to articulate yet what I was doing, what I was training in, what I'd gone through, why I wasn't drinking. And it was just such an awkward conversation. I remember so many more like that, you know, people saying, can I get you a drink? Can I get you a glass of wine? And I'd say, well, I'll just have a soda water, please. And people go, oh, you're not drinking. And me having to explain, you know, because I wasn't at that point chronically ill, but I wasn't yet fully, fully recovered. You know, a few months later, I was much healthier, much stronger. And I feel like I had the mindset to be able to clearly explain to people what I'd been through, my training I'd done or I was doing, my new business I was setting up and why I wasn't drinking. But there was that really difficult in-between stage. Now, then when I did recover and I started my business and I started socialising again and I started going out and about, probably about, gosh, a year and a half, two years after I recovered, Bruce and I split up. So if anyone that doesn't know, we weren't together for about 18 months, which was a really difficult time in my life. But I was definitely going much more into my social life then. I'd started teaching meditation and yoga and relaxation classes. I was socialising. I had good energy. I had good health. I was single. So I was out much more than usual. And I remember at that stage, so 24, 25, Again, having circumstances where it felt a little bit awkward that I wasn't drinking. And I think going to parties, first of all, with people I know, was 
I guess tricky. So people that know me when I was a drinker, I think they'd seen that Danielle and they almost wanted that Danielle back. So there was a part of them that didn't want to say, come on, have a drink, but there were definitely times when people I know would be talking nostalgically, I guess, about times when I was drinking, you know, almost though I was more fun or it was better then. Um, but equally, they knew what I'd gone through with having Emmy and the recovery that I made. So there also wasn't too much pressure in that case. Then there was newer friends, so friends that I'd met since I recovered from Emmy, who only ever knew me as Danielle, the yoga teacher, the meditation teacher, the non-drinker. So I guess it formed part of my personality, my persona, and who I was. And it definitely was a big accepting there, which was lovely. And I feel like it's really served me well in many ways with with meeting new friends because they know up front I'm not a drinker and they sort of have to take me or leave me as I am. Now, I definitely think that when I've met new people, it has meant that perhaps I haven't made a bond with certain people. Now, I now realise that they're not my people anyway. Um, not that my friends don't drink. In fact, pre- pretty much all of my friends do drink alcohol still to this day. Um, a whole variety of, of levels of drinking. But I, over the years, have definitely felt as though I couldn't bond with certain people because I wasn't drinking. So whether it be 25-year-old Danielle meeting new friends and out and, you know, everyone sharing a bottle of wine or getting each other cocktails or doing rounds, you know, suddenly I'm not part of that, which sometimes can feel a little bit difficult. But even, you know, as I've got into my 30s and now I'm into my 40s, even, for example, with mums in the school playground, you know, they arrange to have nights out, they have Christmas parties and you see how they really bond over sharing a glass of wine with each other or getting drunk together or staying out late or, you know, after school, maybe they'll go to the pub and, you know, that type of thing. I mean, I'm not saying school mums are going to the pub every night after school by any means, but there's definitely a culture where people make friends and they bond over alcohol. And I don't have that, which is often quite tricky. And I'm realising that new friends that I have met over the years are definitely the ones that are meant for me because it hasn't bothered them that I don't drink alcohol, even if they do. And it hasn't affected our bond. And in fact, in many ways, I feel like our bond is probably stronger and deeper because it's not based around alcohol. Because let's face it, lots of new friendships, particularly adult friendships, and even teenage friendships, I guess, but definitely adult friendships, are definitely born out of that connecting over a night out or over a drink. So there's pros and cons. And, you know, I definitely know that certain people have felt uncomfortable by me not drinking. And I think there's two sides to that, actually. I think there's a side where they feel like I'm judging them because they're drinking, which I've always consciously made the effort to never, ever do. So I've never, as far as I know, 
made anyone feel uncomfortable for having one drink, 10 drinks, drinking lots, not drinking at all. I've always consciously encouraged friends, even if it's just me and one friend, to have a drink while they're with me, whether it be one glass or whether they're having lots of glasses. So I've always gone out my way to make sure that people don't feel judged by my choices. But I think there's only so much I can control other people's feelings. And I think the reality is some people just do feel like I'm judging them. And I'm absolutely not because something I would definitely say from absolutely the bottom of my heart is everyone's on their own journey with alcohol. For me, I honestly believe I was meant to stop drinking alcohol at the age that I did. And I believe that I am not meant to drink alcohol ever again. However, for some people, that is part of their journey. That is part of their path. And I think there's all levels of spectrum of drinking alcohol. And I think everyone is on their own journey. So there's definitely no judging there from me. Do I feel like people are judging me for not drinking alcohol? I think yes and no. So definitely there are some people who who do judge me and think that perhaps it's silly or it's unnecessary or I think I'm better than them because I don't drink alcohol or they think that I've gone through some sort of very difficult relationship with alcohol. Maybe I'm an alcoholic. Maybe they think I'm pregnant. There's lots of things I think people judge me for because I don't drink alcohol. Um, But equally, I think there's also other people that completely accept it. And I think something that's just been very helpful for me is because of what I do for a job and my brand, not drinking alcohol very easily becomes part of that. You know, I've, I've often said, no, I don't drink alcohol. You know, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm really into wellness. And actually straight away, people just get it. Whereas perhaps if I was in maybe like a corporate job and I worked in central London and I said to people, look, I don't drink alcohol, it may be more difficult for people to understand. So I'm definitely grateful for the fact that what I do helps me to explain. And of course it is part of what I do. You know, it's part of my journey, not drinking alcohol, looking after my health, looking after my wellness. Let's also talk about a couple of other things which are quite difficult when it comes to being sober. I do not have an easy, quick, accessible tool to help me relax, to help me get excited, to help me wind down, to help me celebrate, to help me feel energised. I absolutely don't. And when I've spoken to peers of mine about why they drink, you know, I'm not obviously asking them, why do you drink? But just things that people have said, I've realised that drinking can definitely become a quick and easy tool. And that tool can be one that is helping you wind down after a long day, helping you to relax through stressful times, helping you to numb certain emotions that you're going through when you're very tired, helping you just to give your energy. When something good has happened, it's a way to celebrate. When something bad has happened, it's a way to commiserate. And I don't have that. And you know what? 99% of the time, I'm okay with that because the 
real me, the soul me, the, I guess the deeper me knows that I have everything I need within me. And I have had over the years, from quite a practical 3D point of view, to actually learn alternative tools to deal with emotions. So when I want to relax, I've had to learn the tool of deep breathing. When I want to celebrate, I've had to learn the tool of how do I feel real joy. When I'm feeling uncomfortable emotions, I've had to learn the tool to sit with that discomfort. When I want to celebrate or congratulate myself or other people, I've had to learn to really come from inside with that. So I've definitely had to do a lot more inner work in order to find tools to feel comfortable with that. Now, the reason I say 99% of the time I'm completely fine with using these other tools is because, of course, I am a human being. And 1% of the time, I've definitely thought to myself, oh my gosh, if I could just have a drink, this would sort this problem out straight away. Now, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've really, really thought that. And the one time really sticks out after I had my second miscarriage. And I really, I would probably say the only time in my life that I feel like I've really suffered significantly for about three months with depression was after that miscarriage. I'd had the operation to remove the fetus and I, my hormones were going crazy. They were all over the place. I still felt pregnant, but I wasn't pregnant. I'd lost my baby. It was difficult. It was really difficult. And I really did feel awful for about three months. Now, I did lots of things to build myself back up. I did lots of acupuncture. I did counselling. I took lots of time off to rest, rebuild myself. Um, Again, that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother story. But I remember tying a few times during that period of time where I thought I could really do with drinking now to numb this pain and this grief that I'm feeling. And I didn't, I didn't have alcohol. I haven't had a sip of alcohol for 20 years, but that is an example of the 1% of the last 20 years where I have wished I could have alcohol, but do you know what? I'm really glad that I didn't because what I know when I go deep within is that would have been the worst thing for me to do going through a difficult time, going through depression, and then drinking something which actually causes depression absolutely wouldn't have been the right thing for me. And I can't forget that, you know, the the facts really, that although I, you know, very non-judgmental and very encouraging of anyone that wants to drink, the fact that alcohol is a depressant, So if you are someone that's prone to or suffers from depression, the pure fact is alcohol will make it worse. It might not feel worse in the short term, but the next day or maybe a week later or maybe a month later when your hormones kick in, it's the time of the month, you are going to suffer. You are going to feel worse than if you haven't had that alcohol. And the fact that alcohol is a toxin. Now, yes, I know that we have these, you know, these, whether it's doctors or whether it's social media videos or whatever it is that says, you know, have red wine because you've got the reserve troll in there and that's going to help with antioxidants. 
yes, that is a good antioxidant, but you don't need to get it from red wine. FYI, you can you can get it from red grapes. You know, you could just do it as simple as that. You could take a you could take a supplement um, of resveratrol as well. So you know, absolutely, you don't need to drink red red wine to get that antioxidant. Just a little side note there. But it is a toxin and it is a toxin that your liver has to deal with, that your central nervous system has to deal with, affects your immune system. So they are two aspects why I absolutely don't drink alcohol because I know it will affect my mind and I know it will affect my body. And everything I do throughout the day is to honour my body, to give love to my body, to give gratitude to my body. And I couldn't bring myself to put something so toxic into it especially because I have been through such a chronic illness. I know what it's like to feel the worst of the worst. So that's a big reason why I don't put alcohol into my body now. Okay, so we've done about 24 minutes of why drinking, not drinking alcohol is difficult. Let's talk about why it's easy. Let's finish on a high note. I feel like this might not be quite as long because there's probably less to explain, But let's talk about why not drinking for the last 20 years is actually fantastic and really easy. Number one, I get to feel all of my emotions, which I am truly grateful for. When I'm sad, I know I'm sad. There's nothing numbing it. I'm feeling the sadness and I'm letting it pass or I'm dealing with it or I'm sitting with it. When I'm feeling happy, I am happy 100% because of me. There's no alcohol. There's nothing artificial which is making me feel happy. It is joy and happiness from within. When I'm feeling relaxed and peaceful, I am fully feeling that. It's not being heightened by anything else. It's not being heightened by anything artificial, by any drug of any kind. It's purely I am feeling it. Now, of course, there's pros and cons to feeling every emotion, but I genuinely want to experience this. I believe that my body chose to be a human being in this time, in this moment for a reason. And I believe that part of going through that illness was to give up alcohol so I could fully feel everything. And if I didn't fully feel everything, I wouldn't get the full human experience that I know that I am here for. And I also wouldn't be fully connected to my intuition. And my intuition without a doubt, it's my greatest superpower. In fact, I believe it's all of our greatest superpower. We just need to clear through all the rubbish so we actually can feel it and experience it because we all have the same level of deep intuition. It's just how much we are prepared to quieten down and listen to it. So I love that I feel everything. So that's a real, real positive with not drinking. Secondly, which I've already touched on, but no toxicity. So better health. Now, saying I've got no toxicity is bananas because of course I have, you know, I have sugar, try not to have too much, but I definitely have that. There's environmental pollutants and toxins all the time. Many of you will know from the posts I did on Instagram last week about, unfortunately, the amount I've had to take antibiotics, why that was really, really difficult for me. But let's face it, that is a toxin as well. So I'm not saying that I am toxic free by any means. However, 
choosing to not put alcohol into my body means that my health is got the best chance my mental health and my physical health, and particularly my mental health, I believe. By not drinking alcohol, I honestly believe this is helping my mental health to really thrive. And for someone that also suffers from PMDD, so I really, really have a a very difficult sort of nine to 10 days every month. If I was drinking alcohol during that time, oh my goodness, I would really, really struggle. So actually, not drinking is the best thing for my mind and my body and my hormones. Also, the reason it's quite easy is because it's become a habit now, which I love. You know, I love the fact that I don't even have to question, you know, am I going to drink? Am I not going to drink? It's just completely non-negotiable for me. If someone says, do you want to drink? It's automatic. No, thank you. I don't drink. It's not like, "Mm, shall I drink now? Shall I not? And there's a few things I do that with. So I absolutely don't drink any coffee at all. And I don't have any gluten at all. So that's been about two and a half years of no gluten, but obviously 20 years with with no alcohol, no coffee either. Um, So they are just all non-negotiables for me. Um, I do have a bit of sugar. I know it's not the best thing for me. And I, you know, go through periods of time where I cut it out completely and I have times where I probably have too much. And then I have times where it's just a little balance, you know, I just have a little bit of dark chocolate every day, which is probably what happens most of the time. But it's lovely that not drinking alcohol is just such a habit. So there's no decision making. There's no, mm, do I do this? Do I not? So no middle ground, I guess. Just one rule, no decisions. Another reason why it's pretty good and pretty easy is it saves money. And I notice this mostly actually when I go on like girls trips or like hen parties or people's birthday parties. And I'm often shocked how much alcohol costs. And you've got to remember, I drank 20 years ago and I was drinking cheap alcohol as well then. So actually, nice bottles of wine in a restaurant, nice cocktails in nice cocktail bars, they are pricey. I love that I can spend that money on other things. I can spend that money on clothes, experiences, beauty products. What I spend a lot of my money on is wellness. So supplements and holistic treatments and that type of thing. And obviously building my business, paying my team, doing trainings, making investments, all of that is really important to me as well. So by not drinking over the last 20 years, I've definitely been able to put money into other things, which I love. And lastly, why I think it's easy or why it's good that I don't drink alcohol, and this is a bit of a tricky one. I don't want this to be a trigger for anyone or, again, feel like I'm judging them. But my children see me as not drinking. And I do think there's pros and cons to this for sure, because they are growing up in a sober household. So my husband hasn't drank for probably two years now. Um, He went for a little health thing. um, And he gave up completely. Prior to that, he used to, probably for about 10 years prior to that, he drank probably two, three times a year, maybe. So like if he was going on a stag do or when he was at the fire service and it'd be like a Christmas party or that type of thing. So he probably did that for about 10 years. And then prior to that, 
he would pretty much drink, you know, when he went out on a night out. So maybe like once a week or something like that. But again, he was never in the habit of drinking in the evenings. He would only ever be a social drinker. So my girls pretty much see zero alcohol in the house. And funnily enough, about a couple of months ago, Lilia, my six-year-old, heard someone say beer. And she said to me, mum, what's beer? So like she had no idea what that was. And I said, oh, it's an alcohol, like wine. And she said, what's wine? So actually she had no idea, which I think, you know, there's pros and cons. And I don't think about this much. I don't think about how much I'm exposing them to it or not exposing them to it. But they are growing up in a sober household, which I know is quite rare. So it'll be interesting to see what their relationship with alcohol is. And I'm definitely not going to be you know, saying to them, never drink alcohol, because actually, in some ways, it's a rite of passage for many sort of teenagers that do try alcohol and go on their own journey with it. So I'm definitely not going to be someone that says, absolutely do not do that. But equally, I'm hoping what they've seen through Bruce and I and why we don't drink, so all from a place of positivity, for love for our body, for wanting to keep ourselves healthy in our minds, in our body, for wanting to use our money for other things, all of these reason, reasons, I hope whatever alcohol they decide to con- consume, they will have a positive relationship with it. And that doesn't mean not being a non-drinker, but they will have a positive relationship. That That is my hope. Okay, guys, that was quite a vulnerable podcast, I would definitely say. Let me know, guys. Let me know whether you've enjoyed it. Let me know your experience of drinking or not drinking. And I just want to finish by just saying once more that we are all on our own journey. So there is no shame wherever you are. If you are at the point where you feel like alcohol is taking over your life, is affecting your mental health, your physical health, or affecting your relationships, I would deeply urge you to reach out to someone, and I'm obviously not the right person for this, but it should be to a medical professional or to a rehab facility or to a doctor and ask them for help and guidance because there's a lot of help and support and guidance out there. If you're on a very different journey with alcohol, then remember, as long as you're in control of it and you're mindful of it and you feel like you're making the right decision for your body, then it is the right decision. So please don't let anything I've said today affect you or make you feel judged. I just wanted to share my journey. And if maybe it's inspired you to either reduce or cut out alcohol or it's made you feel more comfortable about also being sober, then that is also wonderful. So remember, we are all on our own journey. So I'm sending you all the love in the world. Take care, everyone. And please do just take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It would mean so much if you could give it five stars. If you're listening to this on on your Apple podcast, your iTunes, write a quick review. It would mean so much. Thank you, everybody. Take care and see you again next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review it. Let me know when you listen to episodes, tag me in on Instagram at Face Yoga Expert. And don't forget to check out my website, faceyogaexpert.com, which has all the information about my teacher training, my two books, Danielle Collins Face Yoga and the Face Yoga Journal, my skincare range, Fusion by Danielle. Danielle Collins and all the other courses and offerings that I have. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.